Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Hello, Bayside. It's Mark Connor here. Really good to be able to share with you today. How you doing? What a crazy time, huh? Uh, lockdown 6.0 seems to go on and on and on and on. I think it's been over 230 days now. Um, I heard we've had more lockdown days than any city in the world than, other than London. So pretty crazy. We've finally got a way out. Uh, seems a little long and a little slow, but uh, here we are and uh, we can do this together. And so I hope you're doing okay. Um, don't do this alone. We need each other. Uh, that's why our church family is so important. Uh, a big shout out to Pastor Rob and Christy for their excellent leadership during this crazy time, to our staff members, all the volunteers, and particularly to all of our media team. Hey, so appreciate all the hours you're putting in to bring online church and all the things that you do. So thank you very, very much. It's grand final weekend, the dogs versus the D's. <laughs> I know some of you don't really care too much about football, but here we are, and sport plays a fairly important role in society. And so today's message is called Winning at the Game of Life, Lessons from the World of Sport. Uh, I don't really like the title because life isn't a game. It's far more than that. And, and, and of course, winning isn't everything, is it? Uh, although losing is nothing, they say. But uh, life isn't just about winning. In fact, uh, I was reflecting on a uh, a morning I had a, a year or so ago, I was at a um, a nice cafe by a beautiful golf course and uh, I was enjoying a delicious cup of coffee, reflecting on my life and writing in my journal and I was just looking at that, the golf course and the golfers teeing off and, and, and hitting the golf balls and you know, I've, I've played a fair amount of golf over the years. I've had some very inspiring games where I did well and some yeah, pretty depressing games when I didn't do well at all. And just to say, golf definitely isn't my favorite sport. And so let me read a, a few comments I made from my journal entry that day. I said this, the game of golf is a metaphor for the human predicament. We live in a beautiful world of hills, trees, bushes, grass, flowers, lakes and wildlife. Instead of simply enjoying it and meandering through its beauty in a peaceful manner, we have to set a goal. We put a hole in the ground, a flag in the air, and off we go. Swinging the golf club, hitting a ball, trying to get it in the hole, quicker and faster than our competitors, counting our shots. Are we experiencing frustration or joy? Well, it depends how well we're doing. Uh, everything else is blocked out. We don't see much. We're just focused on the goal. <laughs> winners are grinners, losers are suckers, they say. And let's do it again and again and again. I continue to write, uh, who, who turned life into such a competitive game? Who, who took the joy out of the simplicity of taking a walk in God's beautiful world? It's time to bail. Refuse to play the game. Throw away your clubs. Put on your walking shoes. Soak in the sun. Stop and look at the flowers. Listen to the birds. Delight in this gift called life. It's not a game to be endured. It's a journey to be enjoyed. Well, that, that may help someone out there. I'm not saying quit, quit, quit your golf if you're into golf, but it was just a reminder for me that sometimes in our goal-orientated achievement world, we sometimes fail just to miss the beauty of enjoying God's world. Nevertheless, we can learn lessons from the world of sport. 
about winning at life, and I want to share a few with you today. It's interesting, the biblical authors make reference to a number of sports in their writings, including running, uh, boxing, wrestling, gladiatorial contests, and possibly even chariot races. Let's look at a couple of um, teachings from the New Testament, particularly, that reference this uh, metaphor of sport. Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, says this, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He uses this metaphor of a race in another letter to the church, churches in Galatia, Galatians 5 verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And then over in Philippians 3, 13 to 14, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on. He's using a running metaphor again to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I, I press on. It's like he's straining towards the goal. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And then to young Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. A couple more, 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And then the author to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, you can kind of feel the stadium metaphor there, the amphitheater, such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So you notice there's a whole bunch of uh, athletic metaphors from the world of sport that the writers use to talk about our life as people of faith. And so I want to share just a couple of lessons in our time together today on this grand final weekend. Uh, the first lesson from sport is in the area of training, training. 
you know, we see athletes perform on the field. If you watch the grand final, you'll see these amazing athletes out there performing, running, kicking, marking, um, tackling. We see them perform on the field or on the court. We're seeing the result of their training. Uh, what goes on when no one's looking, when there's no crowds, when no one's cheering. You know, for every minute of the game, there are hours of preparation behind the, scene, behind the scenes when no one's looking. You know, no one just rocks up and has a go. You know, not one player in the grand final just rocked up and said, yeah, I'm from Western suburbs or I'm from Melbourne. Hey, can I have a go? You know, no one just rocks up and has a go. We're talking about hours and days of training and preparation. In fact, private victory precedes public victory. In other words, what you do when no one's looking determines what you do when you're on the stage, on the field, when others are watching. And the biblical writers make this connection. First Corinthians 9, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. I discipline my body, Paul says, like an athlete training it to do what it should. Right into Timothy, he says, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is beneficial, beneficial, but training for godliness is much better. And so, it, you know, God's gift to you and to me is our potential. Our gift back to him is what we do with it. And each one of us has a montage of aptitudes and abilities and skills but even inborn talent needs to be developed. And so training is about adopting a series of exercises that enable us to do what we couldn't do by willpower alone. You know, in that verse, First Timothy 4, train yourself to be godly. The Greek word for train is the word gymnazo, from which we get the word gymnastics. Paul saying to Timothy, engage in a series of exercises that will train you to do what you can't do just through trying alone. And so what about you today? Who would you like to be? What would you like to accomplish with your life? You know, those things won't just happen. It will require preparation. And so I wonder what series of disciplines or habits do you need to engage in daily to make that a reality? It's the power of habit. We are what we repeatedly do. And often it's, often it's just doing the basics well. You know, there's no shortcut to success, to fitness, to top performance, or to spiritual maturity. And so we need to design our daily life to help us become who we really want to be. You know, it's never too late, never too late to become the person you want to be. And so do a quick checkup today. We're talking about sport. We're talking about training. Um, what, what are you training for? Who are you today? What have you accomplished? And, and get back on track if you need to. Is there a new habit or a new exercise that you need to begin this week to train you yourself to become who you want to be? Or is there an old habit or an old exercise that you drifted from that needs reinforcing at the moment? It could be just the habit of reading your Bible or having some conversation with God in prayer or maybe some physical exercise or eating a bit more healthily. You know, the habits that we engage in daily make who we are. And then as the prophet Nike says, just do it. Nike 1 verse 1, just do it. You, know, you might have heard these three words, uh, discipline, desire, delight. It, it's a progress that happens in training and in habit formation. Discipline, desire, delight. Uh, funny story, my wife Nicole uh, a while back heard of the benefits of cold water. 
uh, on the, the physical and emotional well-being of a person. And so she started experimenting. She started uh, turning the shower a little bit cold at the end before getting out. And then she actually started throwing herself in the ocean here in Melbourne in the winter. Can you believe that? First for a minute and then a few days later, she'd do three or four minutes. Eventually she was doing eight minutes and then 15 minutes. Uh, I'm sitting, of course, on the on the beach there, nice and warm, timing her, looking out for her. But what was amazing for her with this, it started with a discipline. She, she didn't feel like it. it. It was painful. It was hard. But you, dis you discipline yourself enough, you engage in it. Then you see the benefits and then you start to have a desire for it. <laughs> like she wanted to go and take another dip. And then eventually there's a delight where she's actually enjoying it now because she's seeing the benefits. Now, I'm not suggesting you go throw yourself in the cold winter ocean, but there's a principle there in the area of training. It starts with discipline, feeds our desire, and eventually we see the rewards and there's a delight in living a life of training because we're starting to become the person we really want to be. And so sport teaches us the value and importance of training. Uh, secondly, a second lesson from the world of sport is tenacity. First training, second tenacity. You know, the game is tough, as is the competition. And it's not always the most talented or gifted person or team that wins the game. It's often those with the most tenacity. I love that word. Tenacity means to be determined, to persevere, to not give up. Uh, Hebrews 12, we read, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Using Jesus as an example of someone who endured, the Greek word there means to withstand hardship, uh, to stand up under pressure. It, it refers to an inner fortitude, the capacity to bear up under difficult circumstances patient endurance, to remain in your place, to remain, to be steadfast. And so life is not always easy, just like the game is often tough. And life can be tough at times. Uh, all of us go through times of pressure and stress and opposition and maybe sickness and tiredness, depression, discouragement, even failure. All of us go through this. And this pandemic has been an incredible time of pressure and stress on people and the um, challenge economically for businesses, as well as the mental health challenges for so many people. So, so, so life is not easy and so it requires a tenacity. You know, one of my favorite sports is basketball. And you might have heard of Michael Jordan is probably uh, debatably the, the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. And let's listen to this quote from Michael. Uh, won six NBA finals, six most valuable player uh, awards. And he said this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Yep, failure is part of the journey, but it's the decision to not give up, to have that tenacity to go on. I'm sure you've heard of Abraham Lincoln, and you know you might think, oh, what an amazing American president. We've all heard of him. He did some incredible things in his generation. But you know what? He had a lot to go through. Look at this. He failed in business at age 21. He was defeated in a legislative race at age 22. He failed again in business at age 24. At age 26, he had to overcome the death of his sweetheart. He had a nervous breakdown at age 27. 
He lost a congressional race, race at age 34. He lost another election at age 36. Then he lost a senatorial race at age 45. Then he failed in an effort to become vice president at age 47. And he lost another senatorial race at age 47. You'd think at this point, just give it up, Abraham. Uh, but he was eventually elected president of the United States at age 52, became one of the greatest presidents. Can you see numbers of failures and difficulties and losing experiences that he went through? But it was tenacity, this refusal to give up. And, you know, winning in life requires us to develop those kinds of inequalities, uh, resilience, perseverance, endurance and determination. You know, without this, it's, it's easy just to throw in the towel. I love Proverbs 24, 16, the godly, the righteous person may trip seven times, but they will get up again. I don't think seven is necessarily an exact number, but it's this number of multiple, multiple tripping ups and, and falling downs. I don't know about you, but I've made mistakes, lots of them, more than seven. I've fallen down. I've failed. I think I told you the funny story of me as a teenager going for my driver's license. I was living in America at the time and I failed my driver's license. I did a couple of things wrong. One was when we went on the freeway, I stayed at 60 kilometers instead of getting up to 100 with like the rest of the traffic. So, so I drove too slow. That's why I failed my license. How embarrassing. I could have thought, well, maybe I'll never drive. But no, I, I thought, you know what? I can drive faster and faster I did. I got my license and fast forward to a few years ago, I actually lost my license because I hit 12 demerit points. Been driving way too fast for too long. Now, some of you are disappointed in me right now. I can feel it. My halo is slipping a little bit. You don't think as much of me as you used to. Others of you are really encouraged because you've got a few demerit points there. Come on. So, you know, I've fallen, I've failed. I've, I've had times when I felt like giving up and throwing in the tail, in, in the tail and the towel. You know, winning is sometimes simply choosing to get up one more time, one more time. And so today, uh, sport would teach us about tenacity. Be encouraged, you're not alone. May you have an inner strength. Uh, from God today to, to get out one more time and to refuse to give in. Sport teaches us the value not only of training, but of tenacity. A couple more. Uh, thirdly, teamwork. You know, life is not a solo sport. Unlike golf or tennis, it, it's about the team. Again, the biblical writers often refer to the necessity of relationships in our lives, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. And, you know, even the church is often referred to using relational metaphors, a body with many different members, a, a temple with many bricks or stones being joined together, an army with, with many soldiers, or we could use the analogy of a team. Uh, the church is a team made up of many, many people, including you. I love the acronym of TEAM, together everyone achieves more. Together everyone achieves more. And so sport teaches us the importance of getting on with and interacting with others who are different than us, but that complement us. It's an embracing a we mentality more than a me mentality, because none of us are as good as all of us. And so being part of a team, and I think there's this intergenerational aspect, both naturally and spiritually, uh, you heard someone once say, we all need a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. Sorry, they're all male 
examples, but it can translate to, to, to female too. But we all need a Paul. Paul is someone who's ahead of us, a coach, a mentor, a spiritual mother and father. You know, who are the Pauls in your life that you're looking up to, that you're learning from? We all need them. A Barnabas refers to a peer. A brother or sister that's beside us, uh, working together, doing life together. We all need peers that we can learn from and assist. And then a Timothy is someone younger than us that's uh, behind us a little bit, like an apprentice. You know, we've seen the grand final, the AFL, but there's something called the VFL, which is that seconds team where you're developing that next generation of players. And so in life. Uh, who are the Timothys? Who are the younger ones that you're cheering on, that you're encouraging, that you're mentoring? I would not be who I am today without many others in my life. I've had so many great mentors, men and women that have been ahead of me that I've learned from. I've had so many great peers that uh, I have also enjoyed doing life with. And many young people who have also enriched my life. So, so who's your Paul? Who's your Barnabas? Who's your Timothy? Life has this constellation of relationships. We're not meant to do it alone. You know, every generation has a responsibility to reach back and receive the inheritance uh, from those that have gone before us. And then we're to secondly run our race, live our purpose for God. And then thirdly, to pass the baton to the next generation. Every generation has these three responsibilities to reach back and receive our inheritance, our heritage, to run our race and then to pass on. To the next generation. And so think about the team in your world. Who's on your team? Who has God placed in your life for you to team with? And how are your relationships today? You know, relationships are very much like a bank account. <laughs> we can make deposits, we can make withdrawals. And if you're making more withdrawals than deposits, things start to bounce a little bit. Uh, which relationship in your life needs attention right now? Who needs encouraging? Who needs support? Who needs gratitude from you? Or is there a conflict that needs to be resolved that's, that's affecting the team? Uh, sport teaches us the value and the importance of teamwork in our life. Fun thought for today is sport teaches us the importance of timing. You know, one of the things most sports have in common is the clock. <laughs> the game is broken down often into halves and, and into quarters. And the clock is always running and the clock gives a sense of urgency, you know, particularly if it's coming down to the last minute and the scores are tight. You know, the clock creates that sense of urgency. And in many ways, although we want to live with a sense of peace and calm and contentment, the clock is ticking. And we need to be aware of that. Uh, Moses in Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number or count our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Uh, Moses is realizing the brevity of life. <laughs> Time's moving. Uh, Paul picks this up in Ephesians 5.16, says we need to be careful how we live as wise people who understand God's will and who redeem the time. Buy back, redeem the time or make the most of every opportunity. And so the clock is ticking. Time is moving. Life is going forward. It doesn't stop for anyone. It doesn't go back. So, so what time is it for you? Be aware of the clock you know, and understand the different seasons and stages of life. You know, there's childhood, <laughs> a great season. There's the teenage years with its uh, 
ups and downs and finding out who you are and what you want to be with your life. There's those early adult years where we're making some pretty major decisions. There's, there's midlife, 35 to 50, and then there's the mature adulthood, 50 plus, and then late adulthood. You know, and each stage and age of life has unique characteristics, unique challenges, unique opportunities and priorities. And time doesn't stop for anyone, you know. Uh, I remember when I was uh, a teenager, you look at someone who's 30 and think, oh, wow, they're really old and 40 is just over the hill, you know. But boy, time goes quickly and suddenly you are 30 or 40 or whatever it may be. You know, accept and make the most of your time and your season in life right now. Then we want to take advantage of those quarter and halftime breaks. It's nice in sport that the clock just stops for a little bit. And we need that in life, moments to pause, to rest, to reflect, and then to make some appropriate adjustments. You don't want to just press play and repeat. We want to live and learn. And as I've shared before, experience isn't the greatest teacher. It's only experience that we reflect on that becomes insight in our life. And so at that halftime or that quarter break, you want to stop. You want to look back and say, how's the game going? Uh, What are we doing well that we want to keep doing? Uh, What's not going so well that we need to change? So those moments at the quarter time or halftime or three-quarter time break where we reflect on our life. And so, you know, the life that's not reflected on is really not worth living. And so is there a moment for you right now? maybe even in this pandemic, to have a little bit more of a pause and just go, how is life going? Do you want it to be the same or what needs to change for you? You know, Sometimes we grow old, but we don't grow up because we don't make the adjustments we need to make. You know, we have one life to live. This is not a preseason game. This is not a practice game. We've got one life to live. And so we want to live it to the full. Uh, We want to finish well, no matter how well we started. And, you know, maybe you look back on your life and you've got some regrets. Hey, we all do. Some disappointments, some things that you would do differently. You know, we can't go back and start again, but we can today determine to finish well. And so sport teaches us the value and importance of timing. Wrapping this up today, the 2021 Grand Final is over, but your life isn't. And you know what? Life is not a game, but we can sure learn a lot from the world of sport about winning at the game of life. I've shared four lessons with you today. Training, tenacity, teamwork, and timing. Training, how's how's that going for you? Tenacity, is is it time to get up one more time and get going again? Teamwork, who's on your team today? And timing, what what time is it for you? What is needed right now? Let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for Bayside Church today. Uh, What a great community. Thank you for Rob and Christy, the staff, the volunteers, the congregation. So appreciate the way they are modeling faith at this time of challenge in our world. Like the Apostle Paul, I pray that each one of us would run our race well, that we would finish strong, that we would fight the good fight of faith. We would run with perseverance the race that you have set out for us. Uh, Thank you for our teammates, those that are running alongside. Thank you for those that have uh, run ahead of us, our mentors and people that we look up to. Thank you for the next generation. Lord, may we see them and believe in them. And may we have a sense of urgency that the clock is uh, ticking and the time is now 
and we'd live with that sense of understanding of your will for our lives. So pray a blessing on everyone at Bayside today. For those that are listening to this message that may not know you personally, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a very personal and powerful way. And for all of us, uh, thank you for your strength and your hope and your courage. At this time, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bayside, always good to share with you. Love each one of you. Do take care. Look out for one another. Look forward to when we can all gather together in person. But until then, let's keep doing life and seeing how God can use us each day to be a blessing and encouragement to someone else. Thanks very much. Take care. God bless. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.